Revelation chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 1. Uh, we're continuing our series tonight of the seven churches in Revelation. This is part 5. So, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1. <clears throat> and unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast the name that thou livest, and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not, shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches." So this church, if you look at this scripture, you'll see that this church had a had made a name for itself for being alive. You can see that there in uh, in the first verse, Jesus says, "I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest." And what else does he say? He says, "And art dead." You know, you see a lot of churches today that put on a good show. They've got all the music. They've got everything, all kinds of activities for people to enjoy. They've got everything going on. But at the core, they're dead. And I want to once again remind all of you that, number one, my the last thing I'm trying to do is pick on anybody's church. But what we need to be keeping in mind as we go through this is, is do my actions or do the actions of my church match up to any of these? And if they do, what do we need to do to correct them? Because this is the point behind uh, the word that Jesus has given the people here in the churches. is The point is to, to show you where your error may be so that you can correct it. Because you'll notice that He always tells you what the punishment will be. But He also tells you those that overcome will receive a reward. So you see, He's not trying to just bring condemnation on somebody. He's trying to show you where your problem is so you can make a change. So Jesus said that they're dead. Even though they're known for being alive, these people were dead. You know, we've, we've been making some changes in our church. We've been trying to to, uh, for lack of a better word right now, liven things up a little bit. And I'm not trying to say we were dead beforehand, but I'm trying to say that we're trying to, you know, make things more, I don't know, I'd just say liven up. We'll just, we'll just stick with that. <laughs> we're trying to breathe some life back into things and, and make sure that it's not just us that is, is receiving a blessing, but that God is receiving a blessing. Because listen, that is that is my goal when I come to churches is to be pleasing to God. 
And you know, our praise and worship time is a time to, to invite His presence in. You know, we can get so caught up in things though, that praise and worship time is good. But if that's all we're coming to church for, before you know it, you'll be dead. Because when you spend time in praise and worship, the only one you're feeding is God. You're not feeding yourself. That whole time is about inviting Him in. The Word says that where two or three are gathered together, there He is in the midst of them. It says that He inhabits the praise of His people. So you see, that's the point. It's not to feed us. It's not to edify us in any way. It's to, it's to let God know how we feel about Him. So you see, the feeding time for us comes after that. But if that's all you got, you're missing out. You're missing out on the Word. You're missing out on the thing that is going to cause you to grow. The thing that's going to allow you to be able to help somebody else. Verse 2 tells us that churches need to be watching to make sure they're not in this condition. It says, be watchful. Strengthen the things which remain. Now what does that mean? You know, he goes on to tell us that there were some people in this church that didn't have this problem. There were some people that that were do, still doing fine. It's up to those ones that are still doing fine to be watching. You know, if we ain't careful, and I, I'm trying to put this in a, 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 a sense that it applies to us, because you know this could apply to any church, but... I want you to see it from our perspective. But if we're not careful, we get so wrapped up in in the big show, before you know it, there will be people falling off left and right. And we won't even notice. Have you ever seen that happen before? Have you ever seen a church get so wrapped up in, in the show that they miss what the real original thing was that was that was that was helping people and it's the word if the word's not going forth and people aren't hearing the word they won't be fed they won't be they won't be rejuvenated you know there was a big reason i always went to church and it was a selfish reason it was for me it was to feed me and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Because I need to be recharged. I, I, you know, I spend a week working and dealing with people that could care less about God. They don't care anything about, about the same things I'm concerned about. There's some that are. But for the most part, you deal with people on a daily basis that are not Christians and aren't concerned with the things of God. So, this is kind of a a safe haven, so to speak. You come back here to to be refilled and to to be rejuvenated so that you can go make another week of it. And that's 
That's a good thing to know that you have a place to go. But if when you come back, you're not eating something that's going to last. Y'all ever go eat Chinese food? I like Chinese food. You like it too? Y'all ever notice that you go get full on Chinese food and an hour later you're starving to death? When's the last time you were at a church like that? You walk out the door and you're like, man, I, I didn't really get much out of it. Man, I hope that ain't us. I hope, I hope we don't match up to this situation. The one that Jesus is telling these people about. I hope that our church has more substance than that. I hope it's more feeling than that. I know this ain't no shouting message, y'all. Y'all just hang in there. It's real easy to miss the fact that these kind of things are happening when you're sitting among these same people all the time. That's why He's telling you be watchful. Be on the lookout for these things. Because... If you're just sitting here with the same people all the time and you get into the same routines all the time, listen, I like routines, but there comes a point in time when you got to change some routines. you got to get a little uncomfortable and break some of those old habits and step into something that's new, something that's fresh, so that you can feel alive again. Because you get to sitting around with the same people doing the same thing. I'm not trying to tell anybody y'all need to go all leave your churches and go somewhere else. No, you need to be faithful to your church. But what I'm warning you about is you get sitting around with the same people doing the same things over and over. And before you know it, you're all dead and you don't even know it. You're sitting there just in routine day after day after day, and you don't realize that there's life waiting for you. There's life that all you have to do is is reach out and, and grab it. God didn't send Jesus to die on the cross so we could be in routines. God didn't send Jesus to die on the cross so we could get comfortable in our churches and and feel happy because we know everybody. It's family. Family's good, but if you ain't careful, family will send you to hell. He said, "Be watchful." Now, this y'all y'all may not like the way I say this. Y'all may not like what I have to say, but what I'm gonna tell you is that yes, it can send you to hell. You think, well, I'm a Christian. Well. I'm telling you what the Word says tonight. And if you read on, you'll see that He says, be watchful. He says, these kind of people, their name will be blotted out of the book of life. You know what that tells me? It tells me their name was in there one time. Somebody's name don't get in the book of life just because they're born. No. They had to ask Jesus into their heart. They had to say, God, I want You to come live in me. I want to be made a new creature. But something happened along the way, didn't it? They forgot about 
the, the things that brought them to this place. They forgot about what it was that, that started the whole thing. And that was the Word. The Word, they were being fed. They were growing. And they got comfortable. And they started just sitting around and thinking, well, we're going to church. We're doing our best. We're trying, God. But you're not really trying, are you? Look, I ain't coming down on y'all. I've been in that same situation. I've lived through those same kind of things. But there comes a waking up time. There came a point in my life when when it was thrown in my face. And they said, what are you doing? And I said, nothing. But I knew I needed to be doing something. I knew God had a calling on my life. I knew there was something more that I needed that, that was what I had. So you see, somebody was watching. And somebody saw in my life something that needed to change. Do you know anybody like that around you? Are you just going to let them die? Are you going to tell them? Listen, you don't have to do this in a hurtful manner. You don't have to tell these people, I just ain't going to have nothing else to do with you. Tell them in love, look, something ain't right. You need to make a change. Let's go on and read here. Have y'all ever looked at another person and thought, man, they have it together. You ever, you ever seen anybody like that? You think, they've got everything going for them. They don't have no problems. they got new vehicles. they got a good job. They, don't, they just don't have any problems. And then a week later, their car gets repossessed. Or something else. They lose their job or, or whatever. You come to realize all of a sudden... Maybe they had problems I didn't see. Maybe there were some other things going on I didn't know anything about. So you see, what's on the outside is not always evidence of what's on the inside. This is how this church was that Jesus is talking about. See, they had a name in the community or in the, the area they were in that said, oh, that church is alive. That church is is on fire. Every time I go, man, they got good singing. They got all this stuff going on. There's, they are doing things for God. But you notice that as Jesus is telling John about this church, in verse 4 He says, Thou hast a few names in Sardis which have not defiled their garments. A few. So that tells me that the majority, at least, of these people had a problem. You know, last time we <clears throat> talked about these churches, we talked about Jezebel and how she had enticed this church, or members of this church, 
in Thyatira into fornication. But that fornication was actually spiritual fornication. It was an idolatry. Where it says here, which have not defiled their garments. That is a a reference back to that same thing. Idolatry was a big problem then. I'm glad we don't have that now. Yeah, I was joking. You think, well, what in the world problem do we have with idolatry? Well, idolatry is a very complicated thing for those of us that aren't real smart. It's real easy to understand, actually. It's, it's anything that you put before God. Anything that you elevate to a place, and it doesn't have to be some little statue that you go and worship. Anything that you put before God is idolatry. Anything that you take away from the time that you should be given to God is idolatry. Y'all realize a TV can be an idol. A new car can be an idol. Your job can be an idol. You think, well, how in the world can your job be an idol? Well, when you ought to be at church and you say, well, I'm going to have to work a little overtime. Now, look, you got to work overtime sometimes. I know that. I'm not giving you a hard time. But listen, there is a difference in working overtime because you have to and working overtime because you're seeking that dollar. Or working overtime because you're seeking approval from your bosses. There's a big difference there. I have to work overtime sometimes. Even though I don't get paid for it. But you see, the difference is my desire is not to upgrade myself somehow by doing that. My desire is to finish this job and get home as quickly as I can. Idolatry. Idolatry can tear down a church quick, fast, and in a hurry. And you think, well, well, wouldn't you recognize idolatry when it came into the church? You know, I ain't going to name any names. But I've been to churches before. I've heard people say, well, if they don't start singing a little more, I just ain't even going to come here. Talking about a specific person. Because that was the only reason that they were attending that church was to hear some singing. That's idolatry. Their, their heart is not seeking God. They're seeking entertainment. You see? I know it sounds like I'm preaching awful hard about People's singing and everything. Look, I, and here we are setting up drums and everything else up here. It almost seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? Well, what it is is I want you all to understand where my heart is in this. We're not doing this stuff up here to please man. 
I don't care if we get up here and it all turns out to be a flop in man's eyes. I know where my intentions lie. My intentions lie in lifting up God's name, lifting up praises to Him. I want it to be, you know, the Scripture uses this term and it won't make sense to a lot of people, but I want it to be a sweet smell in His nostrils, is what the Word says. I want it to be pleasing to Him. You see, God knows the intents of your heart. And you may say, well, man, I messed that up. I didn't do this right, or I didn't do that right. But God knew the intent of your heart. Yeah, we mess up. But that's why there's that Scripture that says, when you willfully sin, there remains no remission for sins. See, He knows what the intent of your heart was, and when when you get to the point where you're willing to sin just because you enjoy it and you're going to snub your nose at God and say, I'll tend to this later, God. I'm going to do what I want to do right now. He's going to say, okay, I hate it, but you go ahead. There ain't nothing I can do for you after that. Some of y'all may have Baptist backgrounds, I don't know. I really don't care. doesn't bother me either way. But you know there's a common belief amongst Baptists that says once saved, always saved. Well, I think this Scripture we're reading tonight contradicts that a little bit. Because you see there's an opportunity here for someone to lose salvation. Verse 3 says, If therefore thou shalt not watch... Watch for what? What are we watching for? Watch for deadness? Watch for leaving the doctrines that you heard and received, like he said in verse 1? Now listen, and think about this now. We come to church all the time and we hear things. Sometimes you hear something that just really sticks in your heart and you're like, Man, that was good. But then a week later, you forgot it. You're like, what did he preach about last week? I don't really remember. I do the same. I can't remember what I preached about last week sometimes. So, listen, this is, this is global. This isn't just y'all. It's me too. But this Scripture is telling you that when you hear something and you receive it, you see, it's, it's not just something that sounded nice. No, you heard it and it, it went into your spirit and it bared witness with your spirit and you're like, man, that was good. It's telling you, hang on to that. Hang on to it and, and you know, write it down if you have to. Y'all ever write anything down to remember it? You know what the best way to remember something I found? Tell somebody else. The times that I actually have to put into words those things. When when I hear a preacher preach or I hear a song and it just ministers to my heart and I put that into words and, and convey it to somebody else, I ain't going to forget it. I ain't going to forget it. 
But he says, hold on to it. And it also says, watch for the coming of Jesus. I think there's a scripture about that somewhere. It says He's coming for those that love His appearing. He's coming for those that are anxiously awaiting. The Scripture says that He's going to come on you as a thief in the night for those that are not watching. Listen, He's going to come. And it's going to be a surprise. The other day we were watching this little video on the internet. Have y'all, y'all ever seen one of these videos where it's a nice serene picture and it's just like, man, I wonder what's going on. And you're watching and all of a sudden, wah! Something just jumps out and scares you. Man, you just, I mean, I've seen people fall out of chairs because it scared them so bad. And, you know, it's all a joke. But have you ever went back and watched one again and you knew it was going to happen and it still surprised you? But not as bad as the first time, right? Listen, that that is a perfect picture of how Jesus is coming. Because see, He's going to be a surprise to everybody when He shows up. But I don't want to be one of them that had no clue. That wasn't looking for it. Because when I watch that video, I'm like, okay, I know it's fixing to happen. As soon as this... As soon as this one thing happens, he's gonna just gonna jump out. You see, that's how we need to be watching and waiting and looking for Jesus because we know the signs of the times. We're reading the book and we understand what is what is going to transpire in the last days. We're looking for Jesus to return. We're anxiously awaiting His return. Listen, I can't wait for anything else more than that. There is nothing that gets me more excited than thinking that at any minute that sky could just part and there He is. Man, I just can't, I can't think about anything else that's more exciting. And when it happens, it's going to be a surprise. I'm going to wake up one morning and boom, there He is. But it ain't going to scare me. I'm not going to be shocked because His Word tells me it's going to happen. It tells me how it's going to happen. It tells me what's going to happen before it happens. You see, it's going to be a surprise, but I'm not going to be concerned because I know why He's coming. He's coming back for His people. He's coming back for those that love His appearance. 